This is a Salt Hill Media original podcast. Hello, welcome to the Ireland podcast. This is Fender Jackson. I have a bit of an apology to make for this episode. I originally recorded it for the Galway podcast, our child podcast, if you will. And after I had recorded it, I was thinking maybe this should go on the Ireland podcast, the parent podcast. Why? Excellent question, dear listener. Because Galway is a city that most people end up in if they're traveling around the island of Ireland. And whenever I'm talking to these people, some of them, um, they say to me, oh, we're leaving on Sunday. We should have stayed longer. My suggestion is rather than stay longer, rather than leave on Monday, why don't you come on Thursday? Because there's more crack happening on Thursday than there is on Monday, generally. If you are coming on Thursday, go to Ireland's smallest comedy club. You can find tickets on Eventbrite. And take a leaf out of the Americans' books. What they do is they book their tickets one year in advance, and then they plan their whole trip around that Thursday evening. They're very smart over there in America, aren't they? I should say that this podcast was recorded before the events that occurred in Dublin last week, and there's been enough said on the internet for me to cover anything about that, so I shan't. I would like to say, however, um, to get well soon to all of the people who are injured. My heart goes out to you. Today's guest is local multi-award winning comedian Johnny Graham. Johnny set up and he hosts Ireland's smallest comedy club here in Galway. It's a well-known, successful weekly club running since February 2014. The venue is upstairs in the Dewdrop Inn. Johnny made a video which went viral on YouTube called Man Flew the Truth. It's in the bio if you look. And it's received almost a million views to date. He's also starred in many other online sketches. Johnny has graced the stage in many venues such as Cork Opera House, Vicar Street and the Town Hall Theatre in Galway. He's also toured extensively in the UK. His solo show, Arse Boxing, was selling at venues in Ireland and the UK before being cancelled due to the bad dose that was going around. He's recently got back into the Comedy Saddle and the weekly show at Ireland's smallest comedy club is proving as popular as ever and is often sold out. So again, if you want to get a ticket go to eventbrite and type in ireland's smallest comedy club i do make efforts to make sure that this podcast is clean and you can listen to it in front of children if you're cooking your dinner or whatever driving the car however there are some areas here that the language is generally clean but um, we just have the odd joke that maybe you might want to listen to in private 
you will be able to work that out pretty soon, I'm sure. Finally, I should mention that in true comedic fashion or artistic style, we managed to get through the entire podcast without Johnny promoting his new book, which is called My Cat is Fat. It's a funny, short and stinky bedtime story about a cat for younger children. It's for sale in Paul David Murphy's Tiny Traders Christmas Market, which is in the Festival Gallery in Market Street. But also it's on Amazon, so I'll send you a link to that. Johnny is the second person to recommend that I get Paul David Murphy onto the podcast. So I think that's going to happen. Maybe not until 2024, but it will happen. Grand! Let's go straight to that conversation. Band! Can you do one of those comedic finishes? That's good enough, I suppose. Not bad for free. This is the Ireland Podcast. Hello! Who are you and what do you do? Hey, Fender. Uh, my name is Johnny Graham, and I'm a local comedian, I suppose, for want of a better word. And uh, I run Ireland's Smallest Comedy Club, uh, which has been running now since about 2014 uh, in the Dewdrop Inn in Galway. Um, yeah, for many's a moon now. And how did you get into comedy? Oh, uh, Were you always in trouble at school? <laughs> you know what? I wasn't, actually. I wasn't in trouble in school. Um I got. I tell you why. Why most people, I think, get into everything is uh, probably a bit of attention. You get a bit of attention somewhere along the line, going, "Oh, he's a great singer," or "Oh, he's a great." But uh, I remember um, my mother told me a story that uh, when I was about three years old, I think it was uh, something three, four, whatever, small, anyways. And I uh, came home from mass, uh, and I got up on a chair, and I had the two hands out, and I was kind of. You know, saying prayers or, you know, like kind of prophesizing on, on top of a chair, <laughs> looking out. And uh, she goes, oh, God, I think he's going to be a priest, you know. But I think I was, I thought it was just at a show. <laughs> and I was kind of going, geez, this lad has wine and everything. This looks like a good gig, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and I like bread as well. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, that was my first gig. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got a lot of praise, probably because my mother thought I was going to be a priest. But uh, yeah, so I think it was the entertainment. And uh, another thing I remember years ago as well, um, it was someone, I think it was on the Late Late Show, and it was an impersonator. I don't know who it was, but he was impersonating um, Christy Moore at the time. And I remember the guy had just buckets and buckets of water on himself because Christy was uh, well known for sweating heavy at the time. And uh, this, I just thought this was hilarious. So I remember I was about eight nine maybe and i remember running and we had a lot of family over in uh and our, our house was a busy house it was kind of like uh you know the, the meeting meeting house for all our family uh, on a saturday night and uh i just remember running down to the bathroom and <laughs> absolutely drowning myself with water just dripping water covered everywhere and i went up into the kitchen and I went how's it going there everybody oh how, how you getting on you know i just impersonating christy moore and I remember them all thinking, oh, that's hilarious. And, you know, like that was that was a big crowd when you're small. You know, there was maybe whatever, 12, 14 people in our kitchen, whatever it was. And uh, uh, yeah, just I suppose those little nuggets of praise, you kind of go, oh, yeah, maybe. And then in school, 
uh, I wasn't, no, I was, I was quite a good boy in school, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I went to an awful rough school. Like it was, <laughs> it was easy to be a good boy in my school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was more like prison, actually, now that I think of it. But um, Christian Brothers, or what was it? Uh, yeah, I went to Christian Brothers, but the primary school was just uh, just your ordinary rough and tumble Tullamore school. Uh, yeah, I think anyone who could read or write was, you know, designated as being a good boy, you know. <laughs> and my mother always made us do our homework, so yeah, we were good. Uh, but um, God, I can't remember the question now. So you're talking, you're talking about oh, yeah, why? making making people laugh. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So while I was a good good student i suppose uh i always used to do impersonations so i'd be i'd be always able to sound exactly like the teacher and so lads you know that and um you know it was a tough school like i say that we went and i mean uh it was a handy way to get out of you know keep on the good side of lads you know if you're making them laugh you're not getting a hiding (laughs) so uh yeah yeah that's probably why yeah probably why it all started you know so, um, can you remember your first, I, I don't know, do you do professional uh, impersonations, you know, imp- impersonations of more f- famous people? And do you remember doing your first one? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I, I, um, it's funny enough, I don't actually do it in my comedy, um, and I probably should do. <laughs> but um, So, I haven't, I haven't done voices in years, but uh, my first one... Um, I, I used to, uh, I stole, uh, again, when I was probably way too young, I stole a Billy, not stole, stole is a strong word, but uh, borrowed, uh, without them knowing, um, my uncle's Billy Connolly tape. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Billy and Albert. Billy and Albert. It yeah. was Billy and Albert, yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't get some of the jokes, because, well, mainly because they were all way too old for me. Like, again, I was probably only about 10. And but because it was a recording of an actual show, and some of the comedy was kind of physical, mm. so you could yeah. I, oh, I, was the audio? It yeah, it's just the audio. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't a videotape. Yeah, it was an audio tape. So you had to kind of imagine what he was doing, you know. <laughs> but I learned the banjo in Edinburgh, and I joined various bands, and the folk scene was brilliant. You know, there was Eddie and Finbar Fury, and all these people were in Edinburgh at the time. They weren't in Ireland. They were over in Edinburgh giving it those Irish pipes. I always wondered how the Irish marched to war with those pipes. See, the Scottish ones, they, they used them in Britain to, to increase the empire. You know, when they were wanting to make the empire bigger, they didn't send some bloody Nigel in to India. Say, Nigel, go and make us a bit of room, will you? Nigel goes, excuse me, you may have a little coming in here, make a little empire. No, they got a bunch of Scottish. And uh, yeah, you know, so I remember doing uh, Billy, Billy Connolly impressions. And, and oh, so you do people. Billy Connolly impressions? Yeah, I'm trying to think, can I do it now? Maybe, mm, would it be a good idea? Maybe we'll try it. Uh, let's see. It, like at the time, it was probably just a Scottish impression and it was good yeah. enough to get me by, you know. So, so I decided to become a banjo player. 
And I went to these lessons, banjo playing lessons, because I saw these guys around Glasgow, the long flowing hair and the earrings and all. I was like, oh, I want to be like that fella. And I went to the banjo lessons, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I'm the teacher, because I've got... I've got to beat the guy in front of me. I'm five pages ahead of him on the Pete Siegel how to play the banjo. <laughs> Until some other clever arse caught up with me and he became the teacher. <laughs> that's very convincing. <laughs> I'm but rusty as hell. I'm rusty no, that's as great. And I love the R. You did the R. You riddled <laughs> the R. He was, uh, I, I have the same experience because okay. had the audio first of that video, I think it was, or maybe I made a copy of yeah, there's a lot of bootlegs, yeah, a lot yeah. of bootlegs going around back then. And then um, Tom Waits, he says that his favorite album, he's probably just being Tom Waits, you know. He says his favorite album is Marcel Marceau Live. <laughs> <laughs> he's a mime artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You do Billy Colling, and then uh, we we doing that whenever you're a kid and making yeah. people laugh. Yeah, 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 and that's probably how they found out I had uh, stolen the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give it back? Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't actually. I probably have it somewhere because I'm a hoarder as well. Yeah, I like to hoard things. You should send your uncle the link for on YouTube. I'm sure it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he hears this, I'm in trouble. I'll give it back to you, Coleman. <laughs> Coleman, that's his first name. Yeah, well, I don't want to give any further details about yeah, yeah, it in case yeah. he is listening. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give that tape back. Coleman, <laughs> it's a strange name. They, they, it is they, Coleman, yeah. Because there's I, I, a guy who plays Ellen Pipes called Coleman that I interviewed. Oh, okay. Um, just roughly in in, uh, in Clif Clifton it was. Roughly as in, you know. You give him a hiding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had him in a headlock. <laughs> interview. There's an interview. <laughs> See, that was good. Yeah. But uh, you don't do Rocky Balboa. I don't do Rocky Balboa. Oh, no. I, Actually, Rocky Balboa is my uh, my wife's favorite movies. So she she likes the boxing movies, and yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> Creed. Have you seen Creed? Yeah, she's seen them all a hundred oh. times and forced me to watch them all. Yeah, Creed's not bad. I mean, but, but it, they're actually good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rocky, Rocky's great. Um, no, I think anybody who was it did Rocky one time recently, and I was amazed that you know how does that voice come out of that body? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I I. I when I hear accents, I, I I think I obviously must hear them differently than other people. I can hear 
because I, I, sometimes I try to teach the kids how to do. They say, "How do you do that voice, Daddy?" And I'll teach them. But so when you when you're teaching them, you have to kind of say it phonetically to them or whatever, you know. And so, but they obviously don't hear it that way. But I I must yeah just have a mim- mimic uh, ear or mm. whatever, you know. But uh, yeah, so every job I've ever been in, uh, you know, I'll always be mimicking the boss or whatever, you know. Yeah, and, yeah so I'm the same. It's yeah, yeah it's I think I think it's um like in later life I used it then to you know like say so I I worked in construction for years and I would have kind of uh, you know maybe copied the boss or copied the the client's voice or something like that in order to encourage the you know maybe someone who's doing a job for me and I need them to do x y or z just to kind of get them on site to make sure to do something or you know it's it's kind of a I don't know uh, getting people to like you mechanism (laughs) or I don't know charm offensive yeah yeah charm offensive exactly Mm. yeah yeah do you have a favorite impressionist then um, a favorite impressionist. Impressionist. Um, well, I, again, like back then, and it was uh, you know when I was watching TV, it was early nineties, late eighties, I suppose. And uh, Jasper Carrot used to be on all the time. You don't hear of him anymore, like. But um, yeah, I just remember, you know, he'd be often on the TV because he was kind of TV friendly, and I, I, and I just used to, yeah, used to love him back in the day. And I was like, oh, this is actually a thing. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can do this. <laughs> Yeah, and then I, then I didn't. <laughs> but it's probably one of the reasons, you know, I kind of got, uh, you know, interested in comedy, I suppose, you know, that. And uh, my, my dad, my dad used to love Benny Hill as well, you know. I get, I'm sure uh, he wouldn't reach the airwaves these days, you know. He yeah. wasn't the most PC stuff or whatever. No, to, I mean, everything. It was yeah, everything, everything. Everything was wrong about Everything it. was wrong about that man. <laughs> exactly. You know. But uh, I remember my dad just belly laughing uh, at that and it was on the TV. And again, you know, all the innuendo, everything would have went over my head because I was way too young. And uh, I remember getting a Christmas present of his uh, <laughs> tapes on audio as well. <laughs> God, <laughs> Who wonder, gave you that Santa? Uh, you know what? I think it was the big fat man. Yeah, was it? I think it was. I don't um, think you can say fat anymore. Oh, you can't say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Gravi- you can't say anything really. Gravitationally challenged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just too, uh, he wasn't tall enough for his weight. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, so so again, th- these were all kind of songs, you know, that, that he, had, oh, he had recorded, yeah. you know. So again, a lot of that humor that he used to That's do on right. the telly was physical and you yeah. had to watch him running around after someone he wasn't supposed to be running after or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, the tapes were more songs, comedy songs, but again, mm. filled with innu- innuendo, mm. uh, which went straight over my head. But I, I used to like the, uh, the little voices he, he made. And uh, Richie Cavan as well. Again, like this just shows the the deprivation I had <laughs> for comedy. Like I just deprived childhood uh, comedy was. Uh, you just had to grab anything that you could find that you thought was funny. But I remember hearing Richie Cavanagh on the uh, on the radio, and I was just thinking, this is gas. Like you know, this again, loads of innuendo. I was getting a bit older at this stage, so I was kind of getting to know what it, what it all meant and just thinking fair play to the sladdies you know and then when I found out he was actually the one doing the two voices I was loving that like you know so uh, yeah when I went to uh, when I went to college uh, I used to learn I learned how to do the voices then and then 
I went to college. There used to be um, what you call that uh, karaoke, mm. and uh, they'd be all like, "Go on, go on, sing a song." So I said, "Have you got Richie Kavanagh?" And they're like, "No, we don't have Richie Kavanagh." It was actually in Carlo as well. Oh, lad, we don't have any Richie Kavanagh. Why would we have Richie Kavanagh? I said, "Well, I'll sing it anyways." You know, I haven't a note in my head, but I used to. Yeah, so I used to. That used to be my party piece at the karaoke, <laughs> singing a song they didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, would you do some mime with it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was thinking about Steve Coogan whenever you're, I was, you're talking about impressions and all the rest. Steve Coogan, mm. he, he was one of my first um, exposures, I guess, to impressionisms or impressionists. He used to do the voice for Spitting Image. And yes, I, yeah, I, I only I, found out recently. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm showing my age here. So he, uh, this is late 80s, early 90s, and, yeah. and, and I used to watch him and, well, watch Spitting Image. And yeah, yeah. Again, a lot of it went over my head because it quite, a lot of it was quite political. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. satire and stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Steve Coogan, do, do you saw him singing "Come Out You Black and Tans." Yeah, that, and, and that character—that is amazing. That's one of my, that that sketch is just yeah. priceless. Like, and it, it, like he's able to do the Irish accent so well because uh, he he has Irish roots. That's like, right. But, uh, From Mayo. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he, he just nails uh-huh. he nails so many things in that yeah. uh, one interview. Um, love, love the Irish gesture. Uh, well, yeah. I'm afraid that's all we've got time oh, for. We couldn't tonight. let you go without a little song. Well, no. <laughs> thank you anyway, but we've got uh, a great montage of police dogs set to music. We do indeed, yeah. I love you as I never loved before. You're going to ruin a slow-mo sequence of Alsatians jumping up and biting I the arms of dog handlers set to Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. It's great TV. Come on, lads. Come, on. Come to me. Please stop playing. Or my dream of love is over. I love you as I loved you When you were sweet When you were sweet Sixteen Come out, you black and tan, come and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders. Tell her how the IRA made you run like hell away. From the green and lovely lanes of Kilachandra. Armoured cars and tanks and guns came to take away our sons. But every man should stand behind the men behind the wire. That character, I was now was researching it because I wrote to him recently. Okay, asked him to do uh, an interview for the Ireland podcast. Oh, good on you! And then uh, I was hoping that he would do the interview as that character, <laughs> <laughs> but there'll be can sustain it for an hour or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but I this I started researching the character and the character. He told his mother that the character is from Sligo because his mother's from Mayo. Oh. But the character's actually from Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Martin, I can't remember the surname. It's, it's probably Martin, but it's Martin or whatever. Yeah. I uh, um, can't remember the surname. But yeah, he's a fantastic. I saw him live actually in oh, the O2 in London. Oh, wow. And um, I brought, 
yeah, brought my ex-wife there. Probably <laughs> she wasn't an ex-wife then. She wasn't even a wife then. <laughs> She's barely a girlfriend. That's probably why it all ended. I was going to say that way. That's why it ended. <laughs> so you started up Ireland's smallest comedy club uh, in 2014, and it's uh, got a night in the do drop in. How often do you perform there? How often does that night exist? So that that runs yeah since 2014 uh, every Thursday night. Oh, Every wow. Thursday night. Okay. Now, with the exception, we'll say getting very close to Christmas, mm. we don't bother with it. Or, um, you know, maybe we'll take a break until, you know, a bit, bit into the new year or whatever. Just because uh, mm. basically the town is dead or the town is too crazy, you know. So uh, comedy is the poor relation of the entertainment uh, business, really. Uh you don't you don't qualify for arts council grants, yeah. uh, so we're not recognised as artists, and um, you know musicians can just uh, go into a pub or whatever, and they can provide entertainment in the corner, and everyone can still get on with their night, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. But uh, yeah. comedians need a dedicated space because you can't just <laughs> believe me. I've done those gigs where you arrive and you go, "Where's where's the venue?" and it's going, "It's here, right here in the bar." <laughs> It'll be gas. Uh, no, it won't. I'll just be a louder drunk than everyone else. <laughs> I'll be a drunk with a microphone. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't work. So it needs a dedicated space. So then you're down to uh, what bar. Not every bar has a dedicated space. You know, that it's usually the room that does 21st and 18th and it opens up with a rusty old key, you know, and it's uh, upstairs, usually inaccessible, which is a bit of a pain, uh, you know, for anyone who, who's not able to use stairs or whatever. And uh, yeah, so so look, we went looking around the town uh, back in 2014, myself and another guy, Dermot Roach, and um, yeah, we were just kind of disillusioned with what was available at the time and comedy-wise in town and we just uh yeah we stumbled upon the dewdrop had a room upstairs and i had spent probably a car trailer load of cash in that bar and never known that they had an upstairs wow. uh, back in my drinking days mm. um and yeah so i was like oh you have an upstairs room he's like yeah yeah so I had a look at the room didn't look right um it yeah it didn't really work and um uh, we're like, mm, yeah, but like it's central and it's in town. And yeah, so we made it work. We made it work over the years. And, and the bar owner at the time was fantastic in that he literally ripped seats out of the wall eventually once he saw that we were dedicated to it and whatever else. But uh, yeah, sorry. So your, your question was, um, when's it on? <laughs> so every, no, no, no. Every I, I, I'm loving what you're saying. So don't, yeah. don't stop yourself. Yeah, no, Keep no. So, but it's, it's every Thursday. And the reason we don't run it at Christmas time is then because the bar is busy enough without us there, say, at Christmas time. And people don't really actually want to go to a gig where they sit. Again, like you and I, if we wanted to meet up at Christmas, we'd like to go somewhere that has a bit of music, you know, it's a bit of atmosphere in the corner. But we we mightn't have seen each other all year, meet mm. up at Christmas. You don't want to sit in silence and listen to an idiot like me, you know. Whereas the rest of the year, you might, ah, yeah, fine. Yeah, I don't really want to talk to you. Yeah. I'll, li- I'll listen to this fool. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's it's a kind of unique entertainment form in, in that, like, you, you literally need people to listen to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and if they're only half listening, they'll think, oh, that's rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, you know, so then that's why you need a dedicated space uh, in the pub. So if if I'm in the corner and I'm saying my, my setup mm-hmm. and then I go to my punchline, but you've only heard the punchline, you go, 
ah, that's a, sure, that's not funny at all. Mm-hmm. You know, because the joke is two parts. You know, yeah, it's yeah. the setup and the punchline. So if, you, if you've missed the setup, uh-huh. which might be long winded, and you've tuned out because you're talking to your mate at the bar, it doesn't yeah. work. So that, so that's why we need a dedicated space. And uh, yeah, listen up, <laughs> listen up, all you pub owners who keep phoning up, going, ah, sure, we'll put it on here in the corner. No, you won't. It just won't work. Uh, yeah. So and, and and what time is it on? So it's on at. Um, uh, doors are half eight and shows nine every week. And uh, how long's it run? Uh, we're usually done and dusted by eleven. Okay, so yeah. it's good two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many acts do you have? So uh, it's myself and uh, so so like I said, myself and Dermot Roach set it up. But then uh, he broke the news to me he was moving. To, we we had a breakup and he 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 ran away to London uh, to seek fame and fortune over there. But. Uh, has he gone already? Uh, yeah, he's gone years. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple of years in, um, another guy came on board to help me out is uh, Bob Hennigan. And uh, Bob, Bob's a great guy. He's my comedy wife, mm-hmm. essentially, you know. So, it, you know, there's a lot of work in running a show weekly. And Thursday just keeps coming around. And uh, yeah, I haven't been home. My, my wife said she was pregnant. And I said, geez, I'm a comedian. And I haven't been home since, you know. <laughs> I just got panicked when I heard she was pregnant the first time around. I was like, Jesus, I don't know anything about being a father. I'll be a comedian. Yeah. And I just headed out. Uh, it was pretty much that. That's what happened. It was kind of like a crisis thing, you know. Yeah. So I headed off. Um, so, yeah, Bob is the comedy wife, and he uh, he's a great guy. He, he does loads of the organizing, and we complement each other brilliantly. And uh, so, so, so he's got a set, and you have a set. Yeah. So norm- is it called set or what's it yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, it's called a set. Yeah. So normally, uh, the way we work the show is, I've kind of grown into the MC role. I quite like interacting with the um, with the audience, mm-hmm. and so so I'll get the room kind of ready for the comedians that are about to come on. You know, I'll be interacting with the audience, having a bit of crack. And then, uh, yeah, usually Bob Bob opens up with his set then, and then we have we we organise the comedians to come from all over the country, so there's different comedians every week, and so that that takes a lot of work. And mm, uh, since prices have gone up for diesel and tolls and all sorts, it's getting harder to encourage guys to travel all the way west, you know, because the Dublin scene is really uh, kicked off in the last couple of years. Dublin comedy scene. Yeah, Dublin comedy scene. It's, it's mad. Like so there's there's some pubs there running seven nights a week. Uh there's others running, you know, uh Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And some of them are running two shows a night. So wow. that's kind of eating up a lot of the comedians that used to come west for a bit of crack. So it's getting harder harder to organise it. But uh yeah, so but we'd have uh People are, like it's got a good reputation for comedians as well, so people like to play the room because it's a small, tight room. It's exactly what you need. It's yeah. a small, tight room, Ireland's smallest comedy club, yeah. uh, and it's great atmosphere. So we drum the crowd up into a frenzy, mm-hmm. uh, and then each of the acts comes on and hammers at home, and then yeah, we all go home. Uh, like lots of people come in, we get a lot of tourist trade, a lot of tourist trade. So we're actually number one on um, TripAdvisor for one of the touristy yeah. things to do in Galway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so very proud of that actually and I mean we get so many reviews from tourists saying wow this is the best thing we've done in Ireland or whatever and going geez there mustn't have been many places <laughs> I, I, just for total transparency and mm. and all the rest 
I'm a single parent from Sunday to Friday. So this is anybody's listening. He says, this guy's never been to this comedy <laughs> I haven't been. I don't get I think I'm, you're barred. Uh, yeah. I think you're barred, actually. <laughs> After last time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry about that there. Uh, did you get the stains out? <laughs> so the, uh, well, the crack is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I haven't been there. I would love to go, but yeah, my, my life is... Yeah, it know, doesn't allow it, yeah. doesn't allow it for now, maybe another six years' time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so uh, how much is it in? Okay, so uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. It was, so I'll tell you the history of our pricing. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> is there a fast-forward button? In there? Is that, you know, you know when you talk to somebody and you are ta- you're just met somebody yeah, and, yeah. and you want to tap them on the forward saying, <laughs> skip intro? Yeah. <laughs> we Sorry. can skip the intro if you want. <laughs> no, well, carry on. We, I'm um, gripped. What's the history of the pricing? So, so, so when we started off, uh, a lot of comedy shows, there, there was a few kind of open mic style comedy shows around town, but they were free in. Uh, and what you, what you tend to get is... Uh, rubbish. Well, <laughs> that's what people think, you know. So there might be an actual brilliant show going on, but if it's for free, you get people coming in uh, and it's generally, you know, some of those shows, the way they worked was, you know, the, the more inexperienced acts were at the start and the better acts were, you know, a headline act finishes off the show generally is the way it works. So this headline act is sitting patiently waiting. People don't pay in. They come in, they see some of the more inexperienced acts and they go, uh, that was all right. Yeah, yeah, but sure, meeting Jimmy down the pub, another place I'll head off. Mm. And then the place can be half empty by the time the, the headline act, mm. who you've paid for, is uh, coming on. So we decided, look, let's let's split the difference here somewhere. So when we started out, it was just three euros in. But that was enough. It's enough, believe it or not. Uh, it just seems real stingy on the punter's point of view, but it's not. They've They've now invested something into it. So they don't actually leave to go meet Jimmy in another pub to say to Jimmy, come on down here, it's actually fairly good. It's only three quid in. They're trying to justify their, their, their hard-earned cash. Yes, yeah, I don't know, but like it's only three quid, you know. Yeah. But uh, so look, at it started off very slow. We were hard to get people in, even at three euros. But I think when you put a value on something, uh, the, the audience does as well and then so gradually, how far down the timeline are we now <laughs> we're already starting <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, so, let me so, get, my, get my cup of coke here <laughs> so look at we obviously you, you know after a time we, we built up our audience and then we moved up to five euros and more recently over recent years it's always been seven euros but Everything's gone up recently, and uh, so it's now 10 euros is the short answer, yeah. Great. 10 euros. You let it that out. It's just 10 euros and, in. And <laughs> how many people does it hold? Um, it, tax man doesn't listen to this show. No, 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 no. I'm joking. I'm not saying that uh, this is what you sell. Saying, <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, how many people does it hold? Yeah, no, we pay our taxes, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, uh, it holds... Um, 40. The right. only man in Galway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably am. I'm, I'm, I'm 40. Too, too honest, an idiot. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. So 40, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and generally, generally we're sold out, you know, especially in the summer months. Uh, so tourists will be, uh, the tourist trade is great, like, you know, so um, uh, they just pile in and they've read about us on TripAdvisor or wherever. Mm. Uh, generally TripAdvisor, to be honest, or, you know, uh, for years we've uh, handed out flyers on the street because it, it's a kind of a funny uh, thing to market. It's hard to market to tourists because, great, you might have a great Facebook page going or Instagram or whatever, but if I'm a tourist arriving in a town, I'm not 
generally going to have been following uh, yeah, the, in, the Instagram of of a, a local comedy club. It's just mm. you know so, uh, which is great for us because we're useless at all that anyway. Mm. <laughs> useless at the admin. Uh-huh. Good at the comedy. Useless at the. So admin. Does that mean somebody from TripAdvisor came to one of your shows? Yeah, uh, no, not TripAdvisor. So so general. Um, How did you get listed there? Uh, oh, so we put up our listing, and then the the audience members rate us on oh. TripAdvisor. Yeah, so oh, wow. so like. They just keep piling in the five star reviews, and they just give a nice little comment about how they enjoyed the show. Apart from one, one guy who put a four star review in, really? because he said, "Oh, I thought it would be smaller," and I was like, oh. <laughs> "Yeah." So that's anyway. But like, yeah, there's always one, isn't there? It's but uh, in general, in general, it's, and it's really nice actually. Uh, like, a, like I said earlier, we probably do this for a bit of praise. I think all humans operate on praise. Really, you know, if you praise someone for any little thing. And or if you say thank you to them, it gives us all a little lift, you know. So it's really nice when you go home and maybe on Friday you just uh, pick up the phone and you, you read all these reviews from people you don't know, like some guy in America or whatever, and he's just gone, oh, I had such a great holiday in Ireland, loved Ireland's smallest comedy club, you have to go or whatever. Yeah, that's just, it's just great. Like, you know, he mm. took the time to write the review or whatever. And uh, yeah, it just gives us a little lift and makes us show up again the following Thursday. Brilliant. Yeah. Do you get big acts? We have done in the past, yeah. Uh, generally what we do is, um, um, I suppose, again, going back to our, our, our trade is generally the tourists. So mm. they wouldn't even know if we even invested, like, you know, so it doesn't work out financially at all. Mm. <laughs> so if there's any accountants listening, uh, yeah, get in touch. We need financial advice. Uh-huh. Uh, so like, you know, it's a small room, tiny room. So yeah. the numbers don't add up. Mm-hmm. To uh, to a budget for for getting big acts, but we have done. Uh, we've been involved with the um, Galway Comedy Festival over the years. Uh, by times, you know, the lads have been kind enough to uh, allow our club in as part of that. And uh, so we'd say during the festival times, there'll be guys knocking around. You know, they might be doing a show on a Monday, might be doing another one on Friday, might be doing one on Tuesday, and then. You know, for a bit of pocket money, they'll go, oh, yeah, might, you know, we'll ask them and they'll go, yeah, yeah, I'll pop down to that, you know. So we have had, uh, you know, TV style names in there, you know, Milton Jones, uh, we've had Reginald D. Hunter, um, Hector showed his face in there at one stage. Uh, I, I think it was during the day, though. I don't, he, took, he took a picture as if he was playing there, <laughs> but uh, he didn't actually play there. Um, Colin Geddes. Uh, no, that's a guy from up your country. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? yeah he's yeah. hilarious. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's hilarious. Growing up in Northern Ireland, he says some things, and you just think he has this guy called I Am Fighter, who's uh, like based on UFC. Guy, okay, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Now we're gonna be breaking this this fight tutorial down into four sections. Section number one is stare downs which tells you how to correctly stare down an opponent to put the bejesus through them. Section 2 is uh, all about hand strikes or fistings as I call them, how to attack an opponent with your fist. <laughs> and then section 3 is all about foot strikes. I'll be teaching you how to do uh, kickings on people, kicking proper. And then number 4 is section I like to call stranglings, where we're going to do a rundown of the top strangles to strangle an opponent to death. And he's just standing there in the garage, 
you know, wearing a wife beater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you say wife beater? <laughs> you can't say anything anymore. Okay, so he's wearing a wife beater. And, he's, uh, <laughs> and he, he just does a big gob to the side, you know, just the <laughs> wrongest stuff. But um, yeah, he's Very also good. got a gay uh, character, so that's fine. Now. Okay. So you can say that. <laughs> he's covered, he's covered. He's covered. Um, so, um, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's I, I haven't seen him live, but his video is on, uh, check out I Am Fighter. It'll, it'll, yeah, it'll, yeah, I must check that out. Yeah, I know the name, definitely know the name. Um, there's a there's a good scene up up north as well. Uh, I've played in Belfast uh, a couple of times. Where was that? Um, Not the Empire, was it? Empire, yeah. Yeah, that's a great venue. I saw the Divine Comedy there. It was the Empire, yeah. God, it's a long time ago. It's yeah, it's a music hall type, old style. Yeah, hall. I played a yeah. theatre. Uh, two, I played twice in Derry as well. It was uh, Derry's a lovely city, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's where I'm from. Yeah, well, I'm from the county. But okay. Yeah, the yeah, Forum yeah. maybe. Uh, the Forum, yeah, I played there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... And then there's that, uh, that is, there's a space there run by one of the undertones, John O'Neill, I, I keep forgetting the name of it. The Nerve Centre. Reginald D. Hunter, and did, he performed. Yeah, 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 yeah. There used yeah. to be a comedy club in Greenwich, I used to live in, Gre well, there is a comedy club in Greenwich, or yeah. comedy festival in Greenwich. Okay, yeah. And I uh, used to live there, and Jerry Sadowitz was there one time. Oh, cool. I went up to him, he's tiny. Yeah, a lot of comedians are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's. A, why is that? What's a, what, why is, are they tiny? Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why is, are comedians tiny? Is it was Napoleon a stand up or? <laughs> he's stand up on the horse. Um, can we? I, I, it could be back to that, you know, uh, survival. You know, maybe in tough schools or whatever. Like the, yeah. you know, if you're small, you might even be great at fighting. So you might need a. Uh, you need to be good at palats. <laughs> you no, know, you need to be good at you know the comedy. You need something to fight off the. It's just survival, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's definitely a survival technique. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there was, there's one guy who looks huge on TV. Um, I'm trying to think who it is. Scottish comedian. He looks really big and tall on TV. And I stood up beside him uh, recently at a bar or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, you're like, I nearly said it out loud. Oh, my God, you're tiny. <laughs> I'm sure he's been told that before, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah. I find oh. that these people, you know, whenever you tell them. That, yeah, you know, that, they love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, they love that. They love that. They love you that. should tell them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe yeah. they're just far away. But you know what? Uh, we uh, we mightn't have the big names, but uh, it's it's guys that we know are solid. Mm. That, that's what we aimed to start to do here. Mm. Uh, was because there was a lot of open mics with, uh, and open mics are great. You need those in order to, you know, to to get the talent to to the level it needs to be at eventually. You know, mm. so and you need to practice somewhere. So open mics are, are brilliant. But what we set out to do was to have solid acts that were established but you might not know them they're not household names but mm. they're established on the comedy scene mm. so we know the quality is good mm -hmm. and that's what we try to book and and that's that's been really good for us to be honest because and bob, bob is great as well and i i i'm i've been told by lots of americans on tripadvisor uh that you know i'm really good at the crowd interaction work and making everybody feel like you know, it's not picking on people and mm -hmm. anyone who we might pick on, pick on in inverted commas um, throughout the show, they tend to get a massive, you know, we give them a massive cheer at the mm -hmm. end. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone has ever gone home feeling picked on, you know, mm -hmm. so it's it, it's kind of binding the whole crowd together. And that's very important. So if if the crowd acts as a unit, then it's really easy for the comedians to make them laugh. Whereas if the crowd, so that's my job to kind of bind the crowd together, a crowd that have never met each other before. Mm. And so we'd get a lot of uh, solo travelers and stuff like that. 
and they're you know they're sitting there kind of self-conscious for the first few minutes oh my god i'm here on my own or whatever but at the end of it you know the everyone in the audience might know them because if we chat to them throughout the and to be honest look everybody worries about going to a comedy club and sitting in the front row but our place is so tiny everyone's in the front row so <laughs> it's you're going to get talked to maybe you know or will you yeah no there's a there's one or two places that you can hide but not too many it's a tiny room so bob does a stand-up performance every week yeah. Is he doing the same material every week or does he change? So a lot of the time it would be, uh, but he's got he's got a huge uh, array of material as mm. well. Um, yeah, like that's, it's kind of, this is the smoke and mirrors of comedy. Like uh, we do know a lot of the time what we're going to say when we're up on stage. So it's like, it's like uh, any performance. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, it's a show. Uh, yeah, it's a show. Exactly. You know, uh, the clown knows what he's going to do mm. when he gets hit with the pie in the face or mm. whatever. And the musician knows what chords he's going to play when he goes out. Yeah. So it's it's the same but uh the trick the trick in comedy is making it look like you just thought of it there and then you know yeah, so yeah. uh yeah that's the that's the unfortunate uh trick yeah. out of the box there you can Brilliant. you can hear you can see behind the curtain now <laughs> uh, now here's a question have you ever has any of your comedians ever been punched in the face or slapped punched in the face in the face no no <laughs> ever since the, uh, the was it oscars that that happened oh yeah the oscars yeah 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 you know <laughs> no what did you think whenever you saw that uh, I, I felt I felt actually very sorry for uh, Will Smith that he let himself down. Like I'm, I'm not a very opinionated guy, but just my initial gut reaction when I saw that is going, oh man, he's he's worked so hard to get this Oscar, you know, and uh, yeah, here he's about to receive it or he had received it. I'm not sure. I don't watch the Oscars, but he just let himself and his family down. Like, but it's, it's, but also, yeah. I mean, should should the guy have been I don't. I don't like that kind of smack talk or whatever you call it. Um, there, there are there are comedy shows you can go to where you know people just stand up and slag each other off, and it's just not something I like at all. My my friend is really good at it, <laughs> and he tends to win them well, all the time. Actually. I don't understand smack talk. So 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 you know like smack talk like what what wrestlers do. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah trash talk. Yeah trash talk. Yeah yeah. yeah but yeah. but but how does that look? What does that look like in the comedy circuit? So uh, the, the, there are these. Uh, you get them more so in London. I don't think there's any here in Ireland. But like where a comedian will go up and trash talk another comedian who's in the room. Yeah yeah who's in the room and, and then knowingly. And then, Knowing Knowingly, that yeah, yeah, they know they're paired off against each other. Okay. And it's like a competition or whatever. And then the other guy gets up and slags him off for a few minutes. Oh, okay. And then the audience votes as to who who slagged who better or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. But it's just, uh, my, my friend is really, really good at it. Like, it just comes to him naturally, like, how to really cut deep on someone. Yeah. Uh, he's from Limerick. Actually, it's Dermot who, um, who opened the club with me uh -huh. back in 2014. But... Um, yeah, it's just not just not a style I like, and so therefore the comedians we book wouldn't be. You know, we know what they're going to do because we've seen their sets before, so we know we know. Okay, this is going to go well with uh, an international audience, or because there's some comedians who are excellent, but they're very colloquial. Mm, you know, yeah. and might not work very well with an international audience. So we tend to tailor to the international mm. oh, audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, you were saying there about Will Smith. And it's interesting that you said that uh, you felt sorry for Will Smith. My, my initial mm. reaction was the opposite. It was uh, feeling, feeling sorry for... Feeling sorry for the guy who got hit. Yeah, yeah I did. obviously. But, I, um, I, I did, but I mean, he sh probably shouldn't have been saying what he was saying, you know. Um, but it was so... I felt it was a little innocuous. I mean, it was quite... Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's a comedian, you know. And um, 
whenever I saw Will Smith do that, I was just thinking, you've ruined comedy, you know? And then, yeah, within mm. a few months, somebody, some comedian got smacked in the head. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. during yeah. the gig, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the lockdown thing changed, uh, changed the kind of face of everything. I think people were so bored, they were really jumping on every bandwagon and just kind of... Nothing was, you know. I saw, I saw, a, saw a cartoon actually, um, where these kids are in a museum, and there's a guy with a microphone in his hand behind a glass cage, and they're saying, "Daddy, what's that?" And they go, "Oh, that's a comedian." They used to kind of say stuff about things, but you can't do that anymore, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, but I mean, the whole, from my point of view, the whole reason comedy exists is to laugh at ourselves and to laugh i mean some of the funniest things you'd hear are maybe about you know what happened at a funeral or some you know or my dad was brilliant at making people laugh because he was a bit deaf he used to come in and say the 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 most horrendous things at a funeral you know maybe possibly about the person in the coffin and he wouldn't realize that everyone could hear him and then everyone would start laughing you know so like but laugh but that's even the people grieving, you know, might be laughing yeah, at yeah. something like in a situation can, like can that. Can you share one of those jokes? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I've got one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. A friend of mine, this is this actually happened, a friend of mine called Paul Evans. And he he's Irish, and but he's, he grew up in England. He actually plays a Pogues tribute act in London. Oh, cool. And he came over to Ireland and there was, for a funeral. And they had the wake and the funeral and all the rest. But... In during the wake, somebody let one uh, fly, <laughs> yeah, and it's really smelly. Oh god! So the, the everybody's just sort of sort of smiling politely, but their eyeballs were watering, yeah, you know, dissolving <laughs> slowly, dissolving. Yeah. And then this one man, he says, "Has anybody got a stick? Has anybody got a stick? Give me a stick so I can bait that into a turd." <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole room, the room burst yeah, into, yeah, into yeah. laughter. Brilliant, but yeah. It's very important, I think, laughter. And yeah. I mean, so that was uh, that was going to be a question, and I, I, I will ask it because because uh, I think it's good to be explicit. Sometimes we're in a, a, a woke culture, mm. yeah, cancellation culture. Mm. So, and and people are taking offense at a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, how does that hit comedy that you've seen in your world? Uh, well, it hit me, and that I kind of go, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah, um, because which, is that because of inter- reactions from the audience, or um, it was from perceived reactions uh, from the audience? Right. Okay. I think it's a, a minority of people who kind of feel strongly enough that they would do anything about, or you know, uh, you know, get up in arms about things. But I, I, the reason I like to make people laugh is to make them happy, mm. and I'd I was kind of almost stunted by the fact that oh god is something i say could that make someone sad like you know mm, I, I, yeah. that sounds really maybe trite or whatever but like i'd i i hate i would hate the thought of offending anyone or mm. making anyone sad or you know and um i suppose getting back to your question there about the will smith thing you know that that comedian he was punching down. We, we we have a phrase called punching down. I don't know, maybe it's, you know. Uh, yeah, I know. So, yeah. so he's punching down. Like he, he was he was mentioning about Will Smith's wife uh, having alopecia or alopecia, whatever it's called. But uh, and you know, 
that's I'm sure he's clever enough that he could have done way better stuff than that. You're right. You know? So that's what you meant by Whereas if he was by, punching by, up. Yes. If he was punching right. up, like if he was slagging off the president or someone who's right. above him. Yeah. That's different, I think. You know, and you know, and it's probably more. And you were talking about um, uh, spitting image earlier. Yeah. Where they were always punching up. You know, they were they were slagging off the lords and ladies yeah. and politicians at the mm-hmm. time. You know, uh, and you know that that probably has more value. But but. Really, uh, a lot of comedy, like my favorite comedy is just about nothing. Like, you know, Billy Connolly's telling a story. I mean, he's not he's not uh, slagging off anyone in particular or he's just, he might be talking about his underpants chafing him or something. You know, what's, that's not, you know, if that offends you, then, you know, just leave. <laughs> you know, just leave my show or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, look, it did, it did affect, and it did affect some comedians and some, uh, and comedy is like any other business or any other job or anything. It's just full of politics and it's full of people who have a lot of opinions about whether you're allowed to say this or allowed to say that. And a lot of the time they are, if they're comedians, they're the comedians who are, they might be better spending their time writing a few jokes, you know, mm. not always, you know, some of them have valid points and, and, uh, I mean, some of the things maybe comedians were saying, yeah, they, they weren't right, you know, but, but if you're in proper comedy flow, uh, you actually don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. That's, that's the truth. Like you, you, your head gets kind of disconnected from your mouth and that's probably where you want to be at as an artist. Like, you know, just literally, but if you have one eye on the, Oh, can I say this? Then it becomes stunted mm. and then it doesn't doesn't work very well actually yeah mm-hmm. but uh yeah so, so it is it is difficult it is difficult so you being. said you said it was perceived that way but then it, it felt like almost you weren't you didn't finish that point are you saying oh, that? i never finish anything yeah <laughs> adhd <laughs> <laughs> most comedians do by the way yeah yeah i think i have it as yeah, well yeah, yeah. so this is I think probably, everyone has a notice this is probably this is probably <laughs> somebody's if there's any accountants out there you know <laughs> make a list of everything we've not finished and then we'll we'll do a, do a, a ulysses type of yeah. uh, follow-up so um no you're saying you're saying that uh it was perceived that way so does that mean that you uh, have a real world um, epiphany where it's not actually perceived, or the reality is not that situation at all. So, oh yeah, sorry. As to how audience uh, audiences are taking comedy nowadays, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it depends on the audience as mm-hmm. well. Um, I suppose um, would say I. Uh, the audiences we get are more, so we get a lot of older American travelers or whatever, you know. So, and it's funny what they might take offense to sometimes, you know, like a lot of comedians, uh, you know, there was a kind of a, the, the, the church was very important in Ireland for years and then, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't so popular anymore. So that tends to generate a bit of material for comedians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but a lot of the American tourists that, that come to our show might be, you know, uh, well, they, they have enough money and a passport to get out of America. So, but a lot of them are quite religious as well, you know. Yeah. Like, so it might be very religious. And so, I, I, if and a comedian that Catholic says, thing, that Catholic thing, I mean, I, sorry, I, I'm, yeah. I'm jumping in here because no, no, what, 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 I, what I've experienced is Americans 
they latch on to the identity of being Irish and they equate the Irishness as being Catholic. Yeah. So that's why this is slagging off the church is less popular in America. And also the, their belief in God, because in America they love God. And all yeah, 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 exactly. Sorry, sorry. No, right. no, no, but that, that was it. And, and I suppose... Uh, Irishness and Catholicism were super interlinked for mm. for generations, you know, and so the but the Americans might not have moved on, you know, like they not didn't mightn't be up to date with our current situation in Ireland or whatever, uh, and so like yeah, so for example, you might get someone in the audience taking a bit of offense to that, but it depends on the way it's done, mm. and it's easy enough to, to win them back over. And I mean, say in a show like ours, uh, it's my job, I suppose, to make everyone feel at ease. So if I notice that and I'm, I'm up next to introduce the next act, I might actually, we call it uh, calling out the elephant in the room, you know? So you literally mention something that's uncomfortable and then that tends to relieve the tension and, and mm. relieving the tension often comes with laughter as well. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that can work, but but it is it is it can be tricky enough, you know. And um, yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of different groups uh, have a lot of different views, and but but you know what? Um, a lot of comedians tend to come from uh, minority backgrounds, you know. So we'd we'd have a lot of uh, of gay comedians and stuff like that, and that's. It, it's funny enough, comedy tends to be a therapy couch. So, so <laughs> as you're probably finding out now, comedians are boring. <laughs> no. Uh, so, no, but like a lot of them are uh, boring and they have maybe um, something that they'd like to talk about uh, publicly and maybe. So we'll say like, uh, I'm just, I have one kind of uh, comedian who, who happens to be gay Uh and their a lot of their material is about you know how they didn't fit in at school or whatever, and it's a good way you know to to release that demon, I suppose, on stage while people yeah. are laughing with you about it or laughing at that situation or how gay people were perceived or what whatever. Like um, that's just one example, but uh, so so a lot of the time, actually, the the person you might be worried about offending is on the mic, mm, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, so so a lot of people, um, uh, yeah, they use use comedy as a way to, uh, you know, get their point across or uh, to get rid of some demon in their past or whatever. And actually, a lot of comedians have uh, mother issues, believe it or not. <laughs> well, the Oedipus type of style. What Oedipus style? Uh, I wasn't in school that day. I told you I went to rubbish school. <laughs> Oedipus, you know, where where uh, you keep saying it, but it doesn't make any difference to me. Where where I think I think a young young gent uh, fancied his mother. All right, <laughs> no, no, maybe not as perverse as that. Okay. But um, I say we were talking about Billy Connolly earlier. His mother uh, abandoned him, yeah. and uh, he was raised by his dad. And well, actually, and then his dad kind of headed off to war or something and he was raised by his two aunties who were quite mm. cruel to him mm-hmm. um, and you know um, Richard Pryor he kind of grew up in a brothel and his right. mother was uh, one of the workers in the brothel and his, I think his granny was the uh, she was the maitre d' or but, whatever but you might call but she gave him the discount yeah <laughs> wasn't his middle name Oedipus <laughs> <laughs> we got a bit dark here. Right? 
<laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a, it is a common trait. Like, and we see we see it all because we know the kind of guy. Like, so the audience might be just receiving the jokes, but yeah. we know the guy behind the jokes, and we might know. So, tell me your relationship yeah. with your mother. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> enough, actually. Uh, no, no, you don't need to go there. No, we can. Uh, it's, oh, no. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, Daryl Breen is adopted. Uh, PJ Gallagher is adopted, and I'm adopted. Oh. And it's it's and I only found this out way many many years After later. After you started being a comedian, yeah, not the adoption thing. Uh, okay, yeah, Daryl brings my brother. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I knew I was adopted since I was a baby, like okay. very small. Yeah, uh, I actually used to think my mom was saying I was a doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought it was great lad going around prescribing paracetamol to all the other kids uh, at school. Um, but then you find out you're actually dealing these. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no. So I'm, I'm adopted, uh, and I suppose that in itself can generate a, a mother issue. But I had a great childhood growing up uh, with with my parents and whatnot, and my sister. But uh, yeah, I suppose maybe there is something to it. Like mm. given that I found out years later, so many comedians are adopted or have had some class of an issue with their mother it's an interesting fact like you know what i found out i mean this this doesn't rival it but my kids play chess and uh <laughs> oh, i'm so sorry to hear about that and, and uh, you know I, I go into the chess club and then i'm sort of interviewing everybody how did your kid learn chess oh his father taught him you know so <laughs> i think if father's you know, teach your kids chess they'll be good at chess or take an interest and if if the mother's don't really hang out to them too much. They could be, end up on the stage being a <laughs> yeah, yeah, be comedians. Yeah. <laughs> so I see, now I don't know where these waters are going to take us, but I see that the King's Head is going to host Tommy Tiernan doing some exploratory material. Have you seen that? No, no I didn't notice that. So, so is there a special room in the King's Yeah, Head? there is. There is a lovely little room actually up on the very top floor. Uh, I think they call it the Ruby Room. And uh, yeah, I've seen Tommy... Uh, do that type of thing for years and years in Galway. It tends to always the same venue, or uh, no? Uh, I remember one time he did a lunchtime gig in the uh, in the cellar bar, mm. and it, I think it was free in, and you got a bowl of soup or something with it, or you know, wow. or, yeah. When's the next one? <laughs> <laughs> I only went for the soup, but uh, I remember seeing him on the stage, and he had like all these notes uh, he had a notebook and papers shuffling around everywhere and he was literally kind of just fumbling through the jokes and there was another guy down the back of the room and he was kind of you know he'll go through his first bit of material whatever and the guy down the back of the room is kind of giving him the uh you know the you know the signal when they're backing in an airplane or yeah the hands <laughs> yeah the no, hands no, in front no, of no, no, this yeah. is not working go next one next one or whatever so he, uh, you say he was starting out at that stage yeah yeah so 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 um a lot of comedians do uh, do the following <laughs> again very boring i told you comedians are boring so so they'll um They'll, they'll write a show. So it's literally written, mm. written down. So you'll have ideas. Like a lot of, uh, most comedians will have a little notebook, which I have here, one notebook. And you'll have, you just have random thoughts and you'll just scribble them down. Now, a lot of the time it looks like a shopping list at the end, like, you know, onions, uh, dog, <laughs> dog running on the road, <laughs> uh, tomatoes, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, that time the kid did this, you know, um, and you need to have the pen and paper beside you at all times because, you know, an idea can come to you and it'll just go again because that's, I think, the nature of our brains. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so so they'll get all their notepads with all these r- rubbish bits of things. They'll try and flesh that out, make stories out of them or whatever. 
uh, jokes essentially is what you're after and um, they'll they'll go to a place like that like so so the more famous ones like Tommy he'll have to do uh, I'm speaking on behalf of Tommy Turner here now everyone <laughs> but this, this is generally what a lot of them do they'll, they'll, they'll just go to a room like that where you know people might pay in at this stage anyone will pay to see Tommy anywhere you know but but he'll literally be working through the material and it won't look anything like the finish show when he has the show ready to rock and go hit the road. A lot of them will then, uh, you know, um, start fleshing that out over the early months of uh, of the year and to be ready to have it on, you know, proper properly ready to rock for Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival. And so then that's their polished show for Edinburgh and then they'll tour that again until, you know, early the following year and then the whole process starts off again. Wow. So yeah, that's that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I saw Paul Chowdhury, did it with him? What's happening, white people? <laughs> can do some stuff each night. None of the old stuff I used to do, like Purple Rain. Yeah, yes, I do, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he, I saw him in, in, there's a comedy club in Greenwich in London, and um, I took somebody there for <laughs> for their birthday. And uh, <laughs> To see Paul Chowdhury this time. Yeah, well... This, the, is, this is your downfall with your romance. Yeah, I was the same lady. <laughs> anyway. Two comedy shows in one night will get rid of any girlfriend. Well, one decade. And uh, so it's funny what you were saying earlier about paying in and then you feel committed because I've yeah. invested my money. So yes. I, I feel like, okay, now we're... The first two acts were so-so and yeah. then the third one came on and much worse. And then... Paul Chowdhury came on and he was, he was like a rock star, but he just yeah. sort of, there was about 12 people in the room and he had everybody wow. killing themselves laughing. He says, look at this place. It's a toilet. You know, you know <laughs> I'm used to the palladium or whatever. You know, I'm not doing him justice. Do you ever see Eddie Murphy raw? Yeah. Yeah. Where he talks about, you know, Hey, Hey, hey I'm Mr. T. I'll rip your c off with my ass. <laughs> and do be standing on. Yeah. That's very funny. Shit. <laughs> it's a joke that you can tell down at school when school starts. Everybody be quiet now. Are you listening, guys? A bear and a rabbit are taking a shit in the woods. And the bear turns to the rabbit and says, Excuse me, do you have problems with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says, No. So the bear wiped his ass with the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah I won't do Paul Chowdhury jokes but yeah again look him up you know yeah, he's yeah, yeah. absolutely hilarious especially whenever he does Dave so what I like about London so the weather's changing you see people walking about especially when the weather gets good hot or too cold cockneys it is biking dive <laughs> I am absolutely sweltering mate I'm sweating like a right slag <laughs> it's 12 degrees Dave <laughs> it's gonna rain in a minute and then the Indians walking about with their coats and jackets on. It's too cold to get the cold of the jacket. <laughs> We're coming to the end, Johnny. You'd be glad to know. So, what's your ambitions for the club? What's your ambitions for yourself? So, I suppose we can't believe it's uh, it's going to be ten years uh, in February of next year. You know, so um, yeah, we're we'll putting on a big show for that. I'm sure, and. Um, we had when when we heard all the Dublin shows were uh, doing their seven nights a week and their uh, you know two shows in one night and all like that. That kind of felt like rock star stuff, you know. Or kind of going, hmm, maybe we'll chance that. But uh, sometimes you know, with uh, 
with 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 day jobs and kids and wives and whatnot. Uh, wives, wife. <laughs> wife. You're only allowed one at a time, uh, apparently. But um, so with all that, like, look, the Thursday comes around, and we're, we're kind of happy just sitting in our Thursday perch uh, for now. Um, I used to, and like I say, I used to, uh, I used to do a lot more. Uh, traveling around to do gigs uh, before COVID, but I think I became a happy kind of recluse uh, during COVID, and I was like, oh, even the, going out for the Thursday night now uh, sometimes feels like a bit of a push. But uh, yeah, so there's lots of times you want to just sit on the couch and just cuddle up mm. <laughs> under a blanket and watch TV. But you head out, and you know what? You're just delighted you do afterwards because uh, you know somebody has to do it. Somebody has to get off the couch and go play a guitar in a pub or. Go. Otherwise, Galway doesn't exist. It doesn't. It isn't the Galway that we all think we love. But mm. like when we're sitting out here in suburbia, uh, you know, you can forget that all that stuff is going on in town. But it only goes on if somebody gets off their arse and does it. Mm. You know, and so very glad that we did that. And you know, it's it's nice to see the the club up there as a kind of a, a tourist attraction uh, <laughs> on the TripAdvisor thing. Anyway, you know. Uh, and being mentioned, you know, we're mentioning a lot of blogs and stuff like that, uh, touristy blogs. Uh, that that makes me proud, actually. Um, and but a lot of hard work goes into goes into doing anything like that. But uh, yeah, so ambitions are just to keep it up there. Keep and you know what, ambitions. Uh, this might be a, a kind of a crap ambition, but uh, for to be a tourist attraction and for it to be something that people enjoy coming to our country and just getting a little piece of what they're heading away thinking they've, they've uh, unlocked the storytelling <laughs> storytelling antics of the Irish or something you know they, they think they've, they've a little piece of magic gone home with them and that's that's great like you know uh, yeah very happy with that um, and so I suppose just to continue that giving, giving tourists a good old holiday and uh, we don't want any of the locals to know about this, so keep it on the down low. We've managed to keep it quiet for 10 years. So, <laughs> so people come into us uh, going, oh, no, is this running long, is it? Going, yeah, we're here nearly 10 years now. Yeah, I go, jeez, I never heard of it. I go, yeah, I know, we're, we're good at comedians. We're good comedians, but we're sh- <laughs> SH1T at promotion, you know. We really are. Our promotion is terrible. <laughs> so, um, Johnny, I mean, I just told you there a moment ago about the two comedy experiences that I had in uh, in London yes. in, the, in that decade. Yeah, and there, it doesn't surprise me that these people are leaving your comedy club feeling that they've experienced a bit of magic, and they take the time to write on TripAdvisor a good review because these moments. I mean, I saw a brilliant uh, quote there yesterday about from Frank Zappa, which was, "What is." time and he talks about music but it changed the word music for art or entertainment what is time without art it's just a series of deadlines and schedules with (laughs) which we are all slave to so it doesn't surprise me that these people are moved enough to have the motivation to contribute to a positive review and you know i said to you off mic at the start this podcast is all about shining a light on people doing brilliant things in galway and I applaud you. I think you're you're doing a wonderful job. And I haven't yeah. even been to your show. Maybe <laughs> maybe in a couple of decades, time I'll go. You go, God, this is terrible. Why was I promoting this fella? <laughs> no, do you know? Do you know another thing actually uh, that always strikes me after the show is over? So we clear off the room, and it turns back into a pub. You know, 
all of a sudden. So it was, it, we set it up for the show, you know, like chairs in a line and we, we hang curtains that we got in the pound shop <laughs> and stuff like that. But it just makes it into a show. But when you clear it all away, everything we've said, everything that all the interactions we've had with the audience that didn't know each other at the start, it's all disappeared. It's just like a puff of smoke. It's gone. Yeah. And it, it's just something mad about that, like that just kind of stays with you. You kind of go, oh, God. And, you know, someone comes up and they're going to the toilet going, what was going on in here, Paul? Huh? Huh? Chill, comedy? Huh? Is that any good? You know, and but like, was there? It doesn't look like there was anything here, you know? And it's just, uh, it's just mad. Like, you know, the, all this inter, all this magic was kind of happening and interactions with people you don't know from South Carolina or whatever. And he's talking to Mary from Boston Scientific over here or whatever. <laughs> and they're just having the crack, you know, we're having the crack and... Uh, yeah, and then it's all gone. And uh, yeah, so luckily we're left with just a review. <laughs> and we can do it all again the following Thursday. Yeah. And good that you will do that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So for all you American listeners, the next time you come over to Galway <laughs> yeah. on Thursday nights, go to Ireland's Smallest Comedy Club, which is upstairs in Do Drop In. And if you get in there for 8.30, you'll be guaranteed a, one of the 40 seats. Uh, you won't. It's nearly always sold out online uh, in oh, advance. Oh, yeah, yeah. We sell we sell our tickets on Eventbrite, and actually that that's one of the annoying things about it being so small. You do get like kind of people coming up to the door. Usually the, the Irish, to be honest, going, uh, uh, "Could I get in there? Uh, uh, I just heard about it downstairs for the first time ever." And I go, "No, sorry, it's sold out." And they're like, "What?" Sure, I'm here now. Like you know, but well, no. So, so yeah, like, like the tourists are mad. Like some some of them will buy tickets, like you know, a year in advance. Going, we can't wait to come to your show. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> We've worked our schedule around it. <laughs> okay, no pressure. Is that Mary from Boston Center? <laughs> <laughs> Teresa from Canvara. <laughs> I know her. I know her. You know, I have to school with her mommy. <laughs> right. Okay, anything else you want to say? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. It's been been a pleasure chatting to you. Um, yeah, it's very, very good fun, Fender, and thanks and and, and congratulations to you too and all all the the work you're doing. I know it's uh, all for free and all. Uh, so Galway businesses support this man. He's uh, he's letting uh, the people of Galway know exactly what's going on in town, and uh, I'm sure if there's ears on it, there's uh, people with money listening to it. Mm. <laughs> so. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, no, but it is. It's important. Like you're getting off your butt to do this as well. So, uh, yeah, good on you. Why not? Well, it's funny. Whenever you're talking about the Thursday comes around, I have a similar thing because mm. I have the Wednesday coming around for, I, I, for your interviews. Yeah, and and you have to source somebody. You Today know. Wednesday. I should be somewhere else. No, no, no. This is going <laughs> oh, live tomorrow. Oh, God, <laughs> Jeez. I thought there was a bunch of kids in a in a field waiting for me to coach them. <laughs> this Tuesday. This goes out to all the parents. I'm so sorry. I should be there. <laughs> Hopefully they have a ball. Oh my god! No, I published something earlier today, and then I have to publish this tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so you're quick. You're look, constantly yeah. looking for acts. You know, yeah, like yeah. I am, and uh, so yeah, I understand. A lot of admin. Anything. Yeah. Anything in the entertainment world actually has an awful lot of admin. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think the, the Rolling Stones have some quote about that. It's like uh, not the admin, but it's ninety uh, percent waiting around, ten percent gig, or some something yeah, like that. You yeah. probably know the quote better yeah. than me. Anyway, for all your uh, uh, perfect quotes, come to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> word for word, that was. That's exactly what Mick Jagger said. That was it. That was yeah, it. you'd be waiting around 90% of the time and 10% of the time playing music. Playing. That's it. That's exactly what Mick said. Yeah, and, uh, and 1% of that time is honky-tonk woman. <laughs>
<laughs> or maybe it's 13. I don't know. <laughs> I have to crunch the numbers. We'll stop there while yeah. we're ahead, obviously. Yeah. 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 Very good. Go to be the Mayogat. Okay. Slan. Slan. This has been a Solid Hill Media original podcast and production.